many people come out and, uh, and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, hey? The worship team, you guys did amazing. That was absolutely beautiful. And, um, and one more sleep, kids. And uh, someone might be visiting tonight, maybe. We'll see, hey? <laughs> Praise God. I'm just going to pray. Is that all right? I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are, Father God. We thank you that you came, uh, that you sent your son and uh, he came to give us life and freedom and joy and peace and hope. And we just commit tonight to you, Lord. We pray that your will be done, Father God. Um, we thank you for your presence in the house right now. And we thank you for every single person here, Lord God, and every family represented, Father God. May you have your way in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now we're going to click, uh, kick off with a clip. So um, if you turn your eyes to the screen. Great light shines best in great darkness. That is a lesson we learned as we traveled many miles in the darkness of night. And I know, I know, nighttime is the most dangerous time to travel. However, there's a great degree of difficulty in following a star in the daylight. <laughs> uh, we were looking for royalty, but we had no idea what we were going to find. Eh? I've been in the outer courts of princes and kings, noisy assemblages these, hangers-on on every corner, quarters of favor, making endless rackets, scheming, chattering, everyone wanting an audience with nobility. And none of that here. No, no, no. Here, silence. Lingering, calm, awestruck silence. Here, a newborn, wrapped in cloths and lying in a feeding trough. There were two milk goats standing silently behind him. Chickens pecked on the ground. An exhausted woman and a humble man. And outside, shepherds. Shepherds timidly watching, and all are silent. We dare not say a word. We bow down. We worship. And we gently lay our gifts on the ground. I've spent the bulk of my days searching for the truth of it all, trying to make sense of this life. But that search, it was different. That time, while we were searching, we were also being led, not, not merely by a star, but by the hand of Almighty God. He led us. He led us to the one in whom all truth rests. He led us to a child, a baby, a king. Messiah. 
Fantastic. Messiah, the King, King Jesus. Hey, I want to read you from the Bible in Matthew chapter 2. But before I do that, I just want to answer this question that some people may have. So whether you're a believer or you're not, you may have asked this question. Is the Bible truly God's word? Have you asked that question or is it just me? And the answer to this question will determine how you view Christmas and the importance it has on your life ultimately having an internal impact on you. You know, I've asked the same question, how do I know that the Bible is really the Word of God? How do you know? You may or may not know that the Bible consists of 66 individual books written on three different continents in three different languages over a period of approximately 1,500 years by more than 40 authors from many walks of life. You've got shepherds, kings, farmers, priests, poets, scribes, They just come from so many walks of life, over 40 authors, yet the Bible remains one unified book from beginning to end without contradiction. How does that happen? It cannot be explained except for the fact that it's divinely inspired. There's no other explanation. These men were inspired by God to record what is written in the Bible. You may or may not know that the Bible contains hundreds of detailed prophecies talking about what is going to happen in the future. Unlike the prophecies found in other religious books, these prophecies are extremely detailed. There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Not only was it foretold where he would be born and his lineage, but also that he would die and rise again. How awesome is that? Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. There's no logical explanation of these fulfilled prophecies in the Bible other than divine origin. There's no other explanation. You may or may not know that because the Bible details historical events, its truthfulness and accuracy are subject to verification like any other historical document. It has to be. There's no other way. These historical accounts of the Bible have been proven time and time again to be accurate and true. In fact, all the evidence supporting the Bible makes it the best documented book from the ancient world. How cool is that? The fact that the Bible is accurately and truthfully records historically verifiable events is a great indication of its truthfulness and its claim to be the very word of God. How can you deny it? It's claimed to be the very word of God. The Bible has suffered more vicious attacks and attempts to destroy it than any other book in history. Any other book, the attack that's come on it, from early Roman emperors through to communist dictators and on to modern-day atheists and agnostics, and do we see them around today? The Bible has withstood and outlasted all of its attackers and is still today the most wildly published book in the world. Over 100 million copies of the Bible are sold each year. Over 100 million copies of the Bible are sold each year. And so with this in mind, let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. So Matthew was a once a despised tax collector. Uh, he was not liked at all. He, 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 he was very despised. People hated him. But then his life was radically changed by Jesus Christ and he became one of his 12 disciples. And he records the night that the wise men travelled to see and to worship our newborn king. So Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 we're going to pick up. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, which is the wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet 
has written. These are the prophecies that I was just talking about. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, uh, because he was a bit of a trickster, Uh, They returned to their country by another route. You know, not much is known about these wise men. We don't really know much about them. We don't know how many there were. Shock horror. In all the nativity scenes and all the Christmas plays, uh, and we, there, there weren't three, but we don't, they could have been three actually, but we don't know how many there were. Uh, theologians just don't know. Uh, they don't know also where they came from. We don't know where they came from. Some theologians say they were each from a different land, therefore representing the entire world bowing before Jesus. But it's so clear after reading the very first verse, if we chuck that up, the first verse, that there's no doubt in their minds that Jesus was Lord and King, that he was the coming Saviour. There was no doubt whatsoever. They, they just wanted to know... They just wanted to know where is he so we can go and worship him. We don't know how they knew this. We don't, we don't know how they knew it. We don't know how they knew that the star represented the Messiah. We don't know that either. Uh, maybe a message was spoken directly to them. But either which way, they knew a king had been born. They knew a king had been born. They were 100% confident they'd recognised this king that had been born. And they wanted to know, like I said, where is he so we can go and worship him? What an awesome response to Jesus Christ being born, hey? What an amazing response to Jesus showing up in your life. Where is he so I can go and worship him? You know, theologians say that Jesus was between one and two years old when the wise men visited. So he was a toddler. And, uh, and his parents were married and he was living in a house, they were living in a house in, in Bethlehem. But you know, most of God's chosen people at that time, the Jews, did not recognise that the king had been born. They missed it. They didn't recognise it. They'd waited many years. They knew he was coming. They knew the prophecies, but it was not how they thought. The son of a humble carpenter, born in a stable? How can he be our Messiah? How can he be king? It was Nathaniel that said, how can anything good come from there? And he was talking about Jesus' own hometown. How can anything good come from there? You know, it's like so many of us in the world today. How can he be God? How can he be God if my family is a mess? How can he be God if my marriage is breaking down? How can he be God if my parents have got a divorce? How can he be God if my child is off the rails? How can he be God if I'm suffering with this illness and this sickness and this disease? How can he be God? How can he be God if there's war and hatred and racism? How can he be God if I get bullied at school? How can he be God if I've been abused? How can he be God? And you know, amongst the questions, we miss our saviour. 
amongst the hurt and the pain, we miss our saviour. You know, even amongst our own intelligence, we miss our saviour. Amongst us trying to figure it all out, we miss him. And we forget what the Bible says. In Isaiah 55, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We forget that he created the heavens and the earth. We forget that his hand spans the universe. Can you even comprehend that? You can't because we can't with our tiny little minds, our human minds, and I'm not trying to be condescending, I'm the same. We can't comprehend that. It's more than we can comprehend. We may not understand everything this side of heaven, yet I know because my Bible tells me so. Do you know that song, kids? That God is not the orchestrator of these events and these issues and these circumstances in your life. He did not orchestrate that abuse. He did not orchestrate that divorce. He did not orchestrate that disease or illness or sickness that you may be struggling with, that addiction. He didn't orchestrate that so that you would have that in your life. In fact, my Bible says, and yours, I'm sure, says the same, in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The truth is that God came to bring life. The truth is, is that God came to bring freedom. He came to bring peace and hope and joy. God came to bring these good things to you. The truth is, is that we live in a fallen world and we live with sin. We live with the devil. But Jesus says, take heart for I have overcome the world. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. The truth is, is that even Jesus was abused. He was whipped. He suffered. He was offended. He was insulted. He was tortured and eventually murdered. He too suffered pain and suffering. The truth is, is God's intention for us all is wholeness and restoration, and reconciliation, and healing, and freedom, and favour, and blessing. And you might think, well, I don't feel blessed. Well, hey, we don't go by our feelings. That's where faith kicks in. And we simply believe and receive. You know, Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That's why kids are so awesome, because they simply believe. And Jesus said, you must become like them to access what I have for you, to have faith, to believe. You know, when it was time for Mary to give birth, even the innkeeper did not recognise the coming saviour. He said, we've got no rooms here, we're full. (laughs) I heard a preacher say, how cool would it have been to gotten Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, how cool would it have been to got their signature in in your guest book at the Village Inn? I mean, that would have been awesome and he missed it. How did he miss it? He said, we're full. How many of us in this world have no room for Jesus? Even as Christians sometimes, if you're a believer and I put my hand up too, we're so distracted with with so many things, the busyness of life, the pleasures of this world, money, it pulls us, social media, the amount of scrolling I find myself doing and I don't want to be doing. So distracted 
My life is too full for Jesus. Even family and friends and relationships, they can pull you away from the things of God. Good people, there's nothing wrong with these family and friends. They're awesome. I'm catching up with a whole bunch of them tomorrow. (laughs) But they pull you away from the things of God. Young people, be careful. If a relationship draws you further from God, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe God has something better. Maybe he has someone better. Or maybe the timing's just not right. Sometimes it's just the timing. You can ask Jacob all about that later. (laughs) King Herod, the religious leaders, the people couldn't get past themselves. They couldn't get over themselves to realise a king had been born. So many people can't get past their own minds to realise the saviour in front of them, the saviour of the world. You know, the shepherds certainly didn't miss the king being born. And Jacob briefly touched on it in his opening. I mean, how could they? An angel appeared to them. I'm with you. I love that. You know, in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read it again. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He is the Messiah. Hang on, I've jumped. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. You know, the Jews had been waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ for thousands of years. And then the greatest event in history happens, the Messiah is born. And then you have the birth announcement. And what an epic birth announcement it was. You know, these days we're, we're on uh, Facebook, we're scrolling. Again, yes, I'm scrolling. <laughs> And, and we're checking our phone and it's like, Jake, check your phone, see if so-and-so's had the baby. And you're checking, you're scrolling, you're checking and then finally the news comes. And it's exciting, yeah, they had a baby girl, they had a baby boy, eight pound two or whatever it is. But nothing beats the birth announcement of Jesus Christ, <laughs> delivered by an angel of the Lord himself. It says, the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And of all the people that the announcement could have been made to, of all the people it's made to the shepherds, just some shepherds living in a field nearby, no big deal. They're just going about their business, looking after their flocks. Just ordinary, humble, everyday people. That's all they were. You know, the truth is, is that the Saviour, the King, the Lord, the Messiah is for everyone. Ordinary everyday people like me and you. That's all we are. You don't have to know your Bible back to front. You don't have to have had a spotless past. Just speak to Jacob. You don't have to have special qualifications. You don't have to have have been born into a Christian home. It's not about that. It's not for perfect people. In fact, my Bible says, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you and for me while we're sinning our little heads off. That's when he died for us. Sometimes we think to come into a relationship with him, we have to be perfect, but it makes no sense because he died when we were sinners. Jesus himself said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you know, we don't like the term sin these days. It's not politically correct. It's not a buzzword. It's not a cool word. Sin, sinners, repent. 
But all sin means is to miss the mark. That's all it means, to miss the mark. And we've all missed the mark. Every single one of us, myself included, we've all made mistakes, we've all made poor choices, we've all wished we didn't say and do certain things. Not one single person here can say they've never done anything wrong. In fact, we caught up with our leadership team just last Friday and a few stories went around of some, <laughs> some bad choices. Is that Kirsty laughing? Yeah, some, her laugh cracks me up, sorry. Some, uh, some stories went around about some bad choices we made uh, before we got saved and, and, and even some after, actually. And, but some of the people that were sharing, we were just so shocked. But the Bible says that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have a past. We all have a history. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and lepers and and who else did he hang out with? Just ordinary, everyday people. They were his disciples, tax collectors and, and fishermen. We've all fall short of the glory of God. That's why he sent his son Jesus, to bring us back into relationship with our heavenly father. It's not about what we do and don't do. It's not about that. It's about grace. And grace is a free gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Isn't that freeing? How nice is that? We don't have to perform. We don't have to be perfect. Whoever you are, whatever you do, Jesus was born for you. He was born for you and for me. And maybe in the past you've rejected this piece of truth because of different reasons, you know, unworthiness, unanswered questions, hurt, pain, confusion. But tonight you can have the same heart that the wise men had. What an amazing response to the revelation of God. They responded with joy and worship and gifts. They responded to, to not what he did or didn't do because he was only a toddler at that point. They were looking to go visit a baby, but they responded to who he was and what he represented. Sometimes, you know, we can be so fickle in our relationship with God, you know, when we don't get our own way. It's like, well, I don't know if I want to serve in church anymore or I don't know if I want to go to church anymore, or I'm not sure if if I want to be obedient to his word because things aren't quite panning out how I thought it would be. And I put myself in that basket too. I have my little dummy spits, don't you worry. Just ask Jacob. (laughs) But we push him away and we rebel. But when we understand his character, when we understand who he represents... When we understand who we are in him, we worship him regardless. Through the good times and the bad, we set our face like flint with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and we know that he's going to come through. And you know what? I think, praise God, that Jesus set his face like flint and completed his mission here on earth so that we could be with God for eternity. You know, Christmas can be a really hard time for some people. Loved ones have been lost, recent divorce or relationship breakup, family breakdowns, family members not talking. You know, it can be hard and it can bring up a lot of issues and and a lot of memories and, and it can be so lonely for some as well. You know, people are hurting, their hearts are breaking. You might have a smile on your face but inside you can feel the pain. 
But I want to encourage you tonight that as you grieve, as you accept your losses, and sometimes it's coming to a place of acceptance, isn't it? Just accepting those losses, okay? I accept this. I'm not going to fight it any longer. This is, this is what it is. This is reality and I accept this. And as you deal with those things that you're working through, and we're all working through stuff. Every single person right now, you've got an issue in your life and you're working through it. Guaranteed, 100%, because we're all human. But we have to remember that no matter what, that Jesus was born to bring peace and hope to every situation. That's why he came. He was born for that. That means peace and hope to your situation, to your specific circumstance, to your specific issue. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and we know that in all things, or not some things, not uh, but except that person's thing, but we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There is always hope in him. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your son or daughter. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for that sickness. There's hope for restoration. There's hope for freedom from that addiction. You know what? There's even hope after divorce. Healing and hope and joy can be found again. The key is is to stay in him. That's the key. You have to stay in him, to stay close to him. You know, some people begin to walk away at this time when they look at their situation, their issue, their circumstances and, and they're so, it's because of hurt. They're so hurt that they begin to blame God. And I know I did, you know, when my parents went through a divorce when I was 13 years of age, I felt like my whole little world was turned upside down. And I was struggling with identity issues. I didn't know who I was and why I was on this earth. And I was starting high school and my parents uh, are breaking up. And, and, and it was difficult. But what I did is I turned and I blamed God. I shook my fist at him. And I said, how can you be God? If I'm experiencing this pain and this suffering, if this is happening in my life, how can you be God? And I shut him out. And I told people I didn't believe in him. And I did that for 10 years. Eventually, my life got pretty bad. If you know my story, I ended up uh, drug addicted, uh, suicidal, relationship breakdown, family issues. My parents, everyone had enough of me. I was just life a mess. Didn't want to live anymore. But I remember one night, I remember crying out to my God. It's funny how you cry out to God, even though you say you don't believe in him. There's something deep within all of us that knows that there is a God. It's within us. It has to be. That's why we were created, to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I cried out and I said, Lord, help me. God, help me. And I remember this peace come over me and and I just knew. And I didn't even know it was God at the time. I didn't know till. A little while later, when I entered into a Christian rehabilitation program called Teen Challenge, I didn't know. When I looked back, I realised that was God. That was the hand of God. That was the peace of God. And and something inside of me was saying, it's going to be okay. And he put my life back together with the help of Teen Challenge. Praise God for that ministry. He put my life back together. You know, it wasn't a quick fix, though. It was a journey. And I had to make decisions along the way. We've all got to make choices We have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. No one said it's ever going to be easy, and it wasn't easy. 
You know, it's foolish to walk away from the one person that can change your situation. He's the only guy that can help you. And, and yet, some of us, we walk away. You know, he's the only guy that can heal your heart when it's broken because he formed you and knitted you in your mother's womb. Psalm 139. He's the only guy that can mend a broken relationship because he's the God of restoration and reconciliation. He's the only guy that can bring healing after divorce. He's the only person that knows why he put you here on this earth. Only he knows that. I was looking everywhere else, yet he could have told me the answer. The one person that can lead and guide you to your purpose and destiny. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That one person that can give you peace and joy like never before. You know life is better with Jesus? Who believes it tonight? Life is better with Jesus. And look, you may, some people may have a good life without him. I certainly didn't. But some people do. But guaranteed, it'd be better with Jesus. You know, the wise men walked for miles and miles searching for God. Yet in all their searching, they were being led. I love what that guy said. They were searching, but in all their searching, they were being led. I love that thought. And not just by a star, but by the hand of God. You know, I look back on my life and I see where the hand of God was on my life, even in my darkest times, even when I was saying, I don't believe in God, you know, and and all of that, just being whatever I was being. (laughs) We don't have time to get into that. (laughs) But God was there the whole time. I look back and I see his hand in the darkest time. You know, and just as a star shines brightest in darkness, so does our saviour, Jesus Christ. And so many people are searching in this world and the answer is Jesus. I remember when I went to Teen Challenge, the Drug and Alcohol Christian Rehabilitation Centre, and they said, you need Jesus. And they were right, that's exactly what I needed. The best decision ever. I thought, this is what I've been searching for and all my pain and suffering, his name is Jesus. Some people conclude when... You present Jesus to them that they're too messed up to receive this Jesus or they don't see themselves in church maybe. You know, you don't see yourself as a Christian or, or, or being in church. And, you know, when I think about myself and my past and, and the fact that I'm a pastor now and, and I work for a church, I think it's hilarious. I think it's so funny. But I thank God for this free gift of grace. And it's not just for me, it's for everyone. And I'm sure Paul the Apostle, who was a murderer, thought the same thing. And I'm sure King David, who committed adultery, thought the same thing. And Moses, the stutterer. And Rahab, the prostitute. And Downing Thomas, remember him? I'm not going to believe until I see. Show me the nails in your hands or the holes or whatever he said. (laughs) That's why I laugh. Peter, who rebuked Jesus, that will never happen, Lord. You know, God is in the business of choosing imperfect people. How awesome is that? (laughs) And these are the people that he chose. Those people I just mentioned, he chose those people. He chose them. He chose the fishermen and the despised tax collector and all those people that we read about in the Bible. And he chooses you too. And if Jesus says you're okay, then you're okay. That's it. I'm okay. You're okay. 
Jesus says I'm okay, so I must be okay. Simply believe as little children or big kids sitting here tonight. They're growing up, aren't they? <laughs> you know, I've been hearing the team can come if that's all right. That clock down the back there says it's 1.30, so it's throwing me a bit. The team's going to come up. We've been hearing about, well, I've been hearing, maybe you have too. I'm watching, maybe I'm watching too much of the news, I don't know. But there seems to be so many tragedies, you know, happening. You know, hearing about these firefighters that lost their lives over east and, you know, just young dads. You know, it's heartbreaking. They've, you know, both of them each have 19-month-old children, a boy and a girl, and, and it's incredibly sad. And, and one of the Bethel singers, I don't know if you know, the, the, there's a music group, Bethel, and, and, and one of um, the singers there, she lost her two-year-old little girl last Saturday. Last Saturday, she lost her. She just stopped breathing in the middle of the night. And I've watched this woman, because I told you I'm on social media, and I've watched this woman and I've watched her journey, this mum, and and I've been watching and praying because the whole Bethel community were praying for resurrection. Bold, courageous faith, I know. But I was praying with them too, because that's what Jesus says can happen. And so I was believing with them from little Perth in Western Australia and they're over in America. And I watched them worship and I watched them pray and I watched them cry and I watched them weep and then they worshipped again. And you know, the little girl hasn't been resurrected. It hasn't, she, it hasn't happened. And now they're moving towards her memorial service and a celebration of her life. But you know what? They're still worshipping God. They're still, through their hurt and their suffering and their confusion and their pain, they're still declaring that God is good. They don't understand, yet they're still lifting up his mighty name. And so I want to encourage you tonight, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, to draw closer to him this Christmas. That's all. One step closer. Wherever you are on the journey, take that step towards him you know the wise men drew near to him they were just like where is he so we can go worship him they drew near to him and as much as he leads us he never forces his way into our life he's pretty cool like that because he gave us free will and the ball's always in our court and we get to make decisions and that's awesome we're in control but this Christmas you can take one step closer to him You know, you may be searching, you may have been led here by God tonight, just like the wise men were led that night directly to Jesus. And so I want to say, don't miss this opportunity to draw closer to him. And not just tonight. You know, we can you can make a commitment for 2020. And it could look different for different people sitting here. For us, for some it could be choosing to walk in forgiveness. That's just one step closer. For some people, it could be making a commitment to to start attending church. Wow. For some, it could be making a commitment to work on your marriage. For some, it could be to lay down a bad habit. For some, it could be to spend more time in God's word. Or it could be saying sorry first. You've got a broken relationship and you take that first step. That's hard, isn't it? But maybe that's, that's how 
maybe that's your step. I don't know. We're all in different journeys. We're on different stages of the journey. It could be reaching out more to those around you. But whatever it looks like for you, I encourage you to draw near to him. The Bible says that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. How cool is that? We take that step to him and he comes to us. You know, when I was off the rails doing my own thing and as soon as I called out to him, even though I was so mean to him, he was there. Ready to wrap me up in his loving arms. For some of you, it could just be making a choice to believe in Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus was born for you. That's what Christmas is about. I want to leave you with this scripture in Romans chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in, in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How awesome is that? Love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so again, I encourage you this Christmas, just take a step closer. Whatever that looks like for you, one step closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. We just bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us with an unfailing love, Lord God. We thank you that we don't need to be perfect, Lord God. It's not about that. We thank you that because of you we are worthy. Because of you we are righteous. I pray for those that are hurting that you'd come and heal their hearts, Lord God. We pray for restoration, reconciliation, where there's broken uh, family relationships, Lord, friendships, whatever it may be, Lord God, that you come and touch the hearts of your people, Lord. But we choose this night, the night before Christmas, before we celebrate the birth of you, we choose to take a step closer to you. If that's you actually tonight, I just want you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand if you want to take a step closer to him. Just put it up in the air and pop it back down again. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for these people that have responded, Lord God. We thank you for your peace and your joy and for everything that you are in our lives. And just while our heads are bowed, I'd, I just want to give anybody here... If you have not ever entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or you may have in the past, but you've, you've walked away and you want to make a recommitment, you want to make that step closer to him tonight. You know, Jesus was my answer. I was drug addicted. My life was a mess. And I accepted him into my heart. It's a simple prayer. In Romans it says if you... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart you shall be saved. 
And when I did that, I had this peace and joy like never before. And yes, I still have hard times and still go through suffering, but when you have that deep down inside, it can never be taken away from you. And so if that's you here tonight, if you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, if you want to enter into a personal relationship with him, I just ask that you slip your hand up in the air and then pop it back down again. Zuni, I see that hand. I just wait a few more moments. Be the best decision. I see that hand. Best decision of your life. I see that hand. I see that hand at the back there. If there's anyone else tonight that wants to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ for eternity. One more moment. All right, we're just going to pray as a church. If you didn't lift your hand but you still want to pray this prayer, you can. And if you can follow after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And tonight I choose to serve you for the rest of my life. And all God's people said, Amen. You know the angels that were celebrating when Jesus Jesus was born? The same angels or the angels also celebrate when one lost person comes into God's kingdom. And so if you made that commitment tonight for the very first time, the angels are having a party right now. How cool is that? And so I'd love to pray for you if you, um, if you want to come and have a chat. And I'm just going to pass over to Jacob. We're just a few minutes over. Thank you. Well, hey, th- hey, what a great message. Thanks so much for that. Um, all right, just a couple of announcements. We've got coffee and mince pies. They're not mince pies as in beef mince. They're mince as in fruit mince. Some of you guys are getting excited and all the English people are celebrating the mince pies. Um, now, remember, there's no service this Sunday. The 29th, there is no service. The next time back is the 5th of Jan. Uh, we've got our prayer meeting. You're all invited. Yeah, come, come. It's a, everybody's welcome. Um, it, uh, 1st of Jan, prayer meeting at the beach, Sorrento Beach. Uh, just get in touch with us for more details. Now, there is a photo booth. Uh, for some, It's out in the foyer. Get your picture taken with your family. Uh, it's cool. You get a nice Christmas picture. You can use it on your card for next year. Work well. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. But particularly if you put your hand up saying and responding to that message saying that you wanted to start that journey we've got with Jesus. We'd love to pray with you um, and just give you a little something to help you on your way. And also, if you're here for the first time, we'd love to stay in touch with you. Our team will come and connect with you and, um, and ask you for your details and stuff. If you feel comfortable with that, just um, let, it, let them get them and we'll stay in touch. So, guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we love you so much. Merry Christmas. God bless. Am I forgetting anything? Have an amazing and safe Christmas, guys. Coffee, Tea, coffee and mince pies and photo booth. God bless you guys. Have a great Christmas.